0: Bam Radio Network. They'll look at you and say, well, some of us are in the room making big decisions, but not all of us. In any group like that, there are people who are more powerful, who have more influence, who have more say than other folks around the table.
1: The leader has to be careful about whom they look to for outside advice. If it's somebody who has a financial interest, that's different from the organizations, I would say that as much as the leader may trust and want the advice of that individual, they should not look for that.
2: Hello, welcome to Heart to Heart Conversations on Leadership, your guide to making a difference. I'm Holly Elisa Bruno. Who do you include in your kitchen cabinet of trusted advisors? How about your critics? Do they have a seat? We all know the adage, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. But are we also listening to those hidden opinion influencers on our staff and beyond our staff, the individuals and groups who can and should affect decisions? Can you identify who these people are and would you invite them to sit at your table even though they're not your direct reports? Bob Frisch, author of How Great Leaders Structure and Manage the Teams Around Them, has insights for us on building a better kitchen cabinet. Welcome, Bob and David. Bob, what's the assumption most leaders make about who should be their top advisors? And in the process, can you define for us kitchen cabinet so we're all clear on what you mean?
0: Sure. Well, the name of the book is Who's in the Room? And it really does try to address this question of who do leaders have around them when they're making the big decisions. And usually there's two answers to the question. There's the official reality of what an org chart says. And then there's the reality that we all know, which is they tend to have a small group of people around them, time after time, their trusted confidants, two, three, four people, who tend to be the people around the leader when they make the big decisions, regardless of what the organization chart says. And that phrase, kitchen cabinet, actually comes from long ago, from Andrew Jackson's presidency. When he had the formal cabinet called the parlor cabinet, the living room cabinet, and the kitchen cabinet, the small group of cronies who met in, back in the smoke-filled room.
2: So, Bob, a lot of people are going to assume that their key advisors need to be their direct reports, that management team that sometimes they've been able to select and, and groom. What's the problem with that assumption?
0: Uh, Often, that's what the org chart suggests. There's a group called the management team or the leadership committee or some officially designated group. They meet for a couple of hours every other Monday, whatever it may be, and that is the quote-unquote official leadership and decision-making body. The problem arises when the people on that group realize that by the time the issue gets to that meeting, it was decided a couple of weeks ago. Fred and Ted and Mary got together together. And they have discussed this. In fact, by the time it gets the official leadership team, all they really have to decide is whether they're going to get on board or they're going to step in front of a moving train. It's disempowering, it's destructive, and it really uh, helps destroy trust within an executive team.
2: Can we step back a minute, though, Bob, particularly for education leaders? Could you help us look at what standards We need to use to determine who should be in our kitchen cabinet.
0: You know, the easiest thing to do is to have the people that you're most comfortable with and to really only have the people you're most comfortable with. But if you're trying to have good quality decisions, a good leader may want to force themselves out of that comfort zone. They should consider, for example, including a contrarian. There's always that person who can take any silver lining and in the cloud a person who can find the flaw in any plan, right? Sometimes it's good to have that person with you early in the decision making process. They may not be the easiest people to deal with, but at the end of the day they may help you make better quality decisions. Maybe you should think about people who are outside of the organization. Your most closest trusted advisor may not in fact be a subordinate at all. It may be your predecessor, it may be a peer, it may be an an outside advisor.
2: So David, what about people from outside the organization? And does the cast of characters to whom we look constantly change? The
1: cast of characters should constantly change depending on the the problem that needs a solution. But this issue of the kitchen cabinet can cause distrust because the people in the regular organization don't necessarily know who's being sought after for advice, what their interests are, what conflicts might exist. And so I think that leaders have to tread very carefully when looking for outside advice.
2: So uh, currently, let's look specifically at school leaders, principals, directors of child care programs, who's currently left out of the school leaders' kitchen cabinet that you think should be included? For example, should we be consulting with a dissatisfied parent, a struggling student, or the cheerleading coach? And, and the second question, David, doesn't all this open us put us into potential legal jeopardy?
1: As long as the leader is not ceding their authority or their uh, decision making, there isn't a particular issue of legal subversion. At the same time, we need to realize that it is those outsiders who need a voice at the table, and very often it's the leadership that is in the best position to look to the parents association to look at the dissident parent who isn't in the parent association when i teach my course in educational leadership i have the students make a refrigerator list which you put the little magnets on the back and you put it on your refrigerator and these are the people whether it's clergy members whether it's parents, whether it's public officials, whether it's the police, to go to when a decision needs to be made and both new information has to be accumulated or those constituents will feel a sense of ownership because they actually did get to consult offline with the leader.
2: So, David, I hear you. And what I'm wondering, though, is about unions. If, if, if on your refrigerator list is uh, someone in the union, How do you deal with that sticky potential situation that there are direct lines that have to be dealt with, and here you are doing something indirect? What's your suggestion on that? Unions are
1: key. There are collective bargaining agreements to analyze, and that informal work and relationship between the leadership of the school district or school And the union is the glue that holds the organization together.
2: Bob, what's your best advice to a leader who plans to be now out front and say, yeah, I've got my management team, but I also have other advisors that I'm frankly going to use. What's your advice when jealousy starts hitting the fan?
0: It's interesting. I think the jealousy and the confusion and the question of what is my role is already there. I think it's why we have so many psychologists, and organization behavior people and OD people in working with management teams today. I think executives and teams already are dealing with the symptoms of the resentment and the confusion and the why wasn't I there and why does Fred seem to have a a bigger influence than Mary when it comes to this decision. I think we've been treating the symptoms for decades.
2: So, Bob, what you're suggesting, though, if I'm hearing you, is that we be direct, we be rational about it, we just tell the truth. That doesn't seem to me to be any balm in Gilead for people that are already feeling resentful. Are you saying that, that that's going to solve the problem?
0: I'm saying it's the beginning of the solution. I'm saying confronting the reality of where am I in the decision loop. Let me give you an example, if I may. Very often, people walk into a room and a decision was made that's a foregone conclusion. I think changing that, saying, you know, don't confer with your inside advisors. It should all be brought to this table every time is unrealistic. I think what you could say is, you know, if you and Fred and Mary were going to talk about this and make the decision, I wish you had solicited my opinion beforehand instead of coming to me with a done deal afterwards. I think the fact that you recognize what's happening can actually help open up the channels where people can have more input and more influence over the way things happen. If we stop saying the way the org chart suggests is the reality, and we start confronting the reality, I think there's an opportunity to actually improve the situation and improve the level of satisfaction with how
2: decisions get made. We all know that you're supposed to keep your friends close and your enemies closer, and that certainly applies to the kitchen cabinet. But what if, what if your enemies are contentious, indirect, or closed mouth in your presence? How do you include their input in your kitchen cabinet conversation? What do you think, David?
1: There has to be a recognition that even if the relations are contentious, the lines of communication have to exist. I would say frequent communication, so that even if it's, just a check-in on a Tuesday morning to see how things are will make the, the job much easier when there is a necessity for access. It needs to be depersonalized. I wouldn't, as a leader, give confidential information to a union executive because it could be used against me. At the same time, I want to hear as much as possible what the union line is going to be, and maybe even use it productively when speaking with the rank and file.
2: Bob, what's your incisive um, advice on that? I think trying
1: to
0: exclude people from decision processes and authority ends up building a tremendous head of esteem, tremendous resentment. I think the idea of including people, understanding they're being heard, but at the same time make it clear that it's not their decision, it's the leader's decision to make. I think that good leaders take accountability and responsibility for their decision. And once they really feel grounded in that, they actually open themselves up to listen more to the opinions of others because they know at the end of the day that they're going to have the backbone to stand by those decisions.
2: Bob, my last question to you is this. Our listeners want to know what's new that you have discovered. What's a new last message you can give to the listeners right now?
0: I think the message is, Your team's not crazy. There's no need in many cases to address things that appear to be or feel like issues of interpersonal conflict if, in fact, there are structural or process root causes that are there that you can see that haven't been addressed. And I think dealing with the symptoms of the unhappiness and frustration without dealing with the root cause of what really is my role in this decision only is going to provide a short-term palliative and not a long-term solution.
2: David, if there's one thing you have not yet been able to say to our listeners about wisely constructing your kitchen cabinet, what would that point be?
1: Understand that this is a flexible arrangement. Be sure that you're not involved in any conflicts with people who you're going to for advice and make the most professional use of that advice rather than creating personal relationships, which will make your job harder.
2: Bob and David, thank you so much for being my guests on Heart to Heart Conversations. Your insights about kitchen cabinets will be very helpful to me and I hope to my listeners as well. So our kitchen cabinet is more than we think it is. It's more than the people we know. It's the people that we don't know but need to know. Or it's the people that we might not exactly like to have on our cabinets, but they should be there. So listening to Bob and this look at kitchen cabinets, here's my thought, and I invite you to think what your change is that you might need to make. I'm thinking, you know what? You are my kitchen cabinet. You are the person that can tell me best what's working, what isn't working, what else you'd like to hear us talk about on Heart to Heart, and just tell me the truth about what you think. Let me know what you'd like to hear about in the future what you haven't or have liked from the past, and where we need to go. So I'm officially appointing you right now as my Kitchen Cabinet member. Please contact me. Give me feedback. Give me advice. Give me your thoughts, either positive, negative, any place in between. I'm at hollyelisabruno.com or BAM Radio Network. Get in touch, and I'll be listening. Thanks. You've been listening to Heart to Heart Conversations on Leadership. I'm Holly Elisa Bruno. Thanks for listening.
0: This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.